you probably know that your gut microbiome is involved in just about every aspect of your health. So you want to pay attention to the trillions of microbes that live in you and on you. You can improve your microbiome health by doing things like avoiding anti-inflammatory pharmaceuticals, antibiotics, smoking, and avoiding certain foods like sugar and GMOs. But if you're doing all those things and you're still experiencing issues with inflammation, digestive problems, or stress, you can eliminate the guesswork and take a gut microbiome test. The test I trust the most and have used personally is Viome's Full Body Intelligence Test. That's because it's the first of its kind to holistically analyze three different areas of your body, your gut microbiome, your oral microbiome, and the health of your cells themselves. Then Biome combines your results, your biological data, and science to create a completely personalized health plan. Once you've got your results, it's easy to learn about your recommended nutrition, probiotics, and supplements with the Biome app. Their supplements are also high quality and are 100% custom formulated for you based on your test results. Give it a try and see if you notice a difference like I have. Go to viome.com slash Dave and save $110 on the full body intelligence test. This is the most comprehensive, affordable test I've ever seen to give you this much information. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Formerly... Bulletproof Radio. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Today is an in-person interview in the studio here in Austin, Texas, uh, which is the home of barbecue made out of real meat. It's (laughs) not the home of that fake garbage, industrial cricket, soy, whatever pea protein nonsense. Uh, And if you're from Austin and you eat that nonsense, you should go back to California. (laughs) Did I say that? Oh, hold on. Are we rolling? Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, I guess we are. (laughs) Uh, My my guest today uh, would probably agree with me, but that's not what we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm just getting what I I read this thing on on Instagram that came up. It said, if you can be polarizing, you'll get more followers. (laughs) And I'm I'm 20,000 followers away from a million followers on Instagram. Nice. So I'm polarizing my ass off right now, guys. So if you're you're not following, if you just, I'm almost there. Yeah, what other topics can we talk about today that, you know, the gun debate, which we were, that's one. It turns out, I I have tested this, it's really easy to hunt an impossible burger. Right, you just you put it up there, and then you just take like marshmallows, vegan marshmallows, mm. and and you just like kind of throw, <laughs> throw them a little bit, yeah. and dude, you're, you're a hunter. You're a hunter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that polarizing enough, or do I need to be more judgy? Yeah, I think that was weak. Um, to be <laughs> no, I'm feeling triggered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't recognize his voice, this is Hal Elrod, author of The Miracle Morning, a longtime friend, and. He's here to announce that he's launching the Miracle Morning Coffee. Isn't that right? <laughs> That's right. I should be, man. I've, <laughs> I've left, uh, only you know how much money I've left on the table by not launching well, Miracle Morning we, Coffee. We could partner with Danger Coffee. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, if you have a Miracle Morning, you might be dangerous because who knows what you might do. There you go. Uh, I'm just teasing because Hal is a devout, but what do you call it? If like, if like Christian and like, you know, religious people are one thing and then you have Satanists on the other side, you'd be like a Satanist for the coffee religion. So what would that be called? I'm so confused by that question. I, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm I, you're hard to trigger. Dude. <laughs> this is pissing me off. No, uh, so I would say he's a devout anti-coffee guy uh, because you don't need a coffee when you have a miracle morning. And I'm like, screw. I'm actually race. not. I do. I drink coffee. 
Do you? Did I you, drink. When yeah. did you change your religion? My wife loves Danger Coffee, by the way. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my God. I was yeah. totally, but I, you no. always say you don't need coffee. Like I've read your book. So I use, I, I go through periods. So okay. I, I was, I, I'll go coffee. Then I was green tea for years. And then I don't know, maybe six months ago, I decided to go coffee again. No way. Yeah. This is great news <laughs> for the, for the human species. Yeah. I'm, I'm really impressed. There there you go. That's hilarious. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, and I don't, by the way, guys, if you don't drink coffee, that's okay. It's it's on you. Just the studies seem to say that for most people, it's good for you. But uh, it, there's also studies supporting green tea, right? So pick one. Pick one. Do something good. Uh, but the reason Hal's on is not anything to do with coffee. It's because he has a brand new Miracle Morning uh, book. And it's updated, expanded. And uh, because we've been friends for a long time, and I've, I've you came on for your first Miracle Morning, I think a couple times. Years it's ago, like, yeah. We're both in Austin. We got to sit down and go to some of the new content that you haven't shared with the world before. You up yeah. for that? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Some listeners may not know of your stuff. Although, man, 2 million copies sold and you were just like the number two of all books sold. Like you've really just gotten a huge wave of awareness over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And that was the that was the goal with the new book is like to yeah. or one of the goals is to it's a it was a self published book for eleven years so you couldn't buy it in stores and uh, I've met with you know probably fifteen New York publishers since then and uh, and and looking for like who's the right you know partner publisher to bring this to the to the masses that buy their books at Target or Walmart or Barnes mm-hmm. and Noble and um, so yeah so that was part of doing an updated and expanded edition was let's make the book better even better. Um, and, uh, and let's, let's reach, you know, uh, the way I always say it is 2 million copies sold, which means there's 8 billion people that I have to spend my life trying mm-hmm. to, to reach and, and impact with the message. So. Do you ever wake up in the morning and just say, I've only reached 2 million out of 8 billion. I'm a failure. Of course that's human nature, right? You, <laughs> you always look at the, I call that gap focus in the book, but yeah, you're it's human nature to look at what you didn't get I, done. I, so. I've written eight books. I've really only sold about a million copies. So I'm, I'm feeling really inferior right now. Yeah. No, you, I mean, that's embar- a little embarrassing. Yeah. So like your your author flex game is stronger than mine. <laughs> there you go. Well, you've sold way more coffee. Fair point. <laughs> uh, speaking of flexes, uh, I interviewed Brian Johnson recently. The guy ah, who's kind of running Brian. through the, I spent $2 million to reverse my age playbook. Yeah. Uh, one that I'm uh, familiar with and that I appreciate. And uh, so we, we, we kind of compared who could swallow the most pills at one time. And, and, and he looked at me, he's like, dude, that's a weird flex, but kind of like respect. And I, I just laughed. Wait, didn't you get my voice text about that? You voice texted me about that? Dude, I sent you a voice text like three days ago. <laughs> and I said, Dave, what about when I see you, you and I have a contest to see who can swallow the most oh pills. Because I think that I can give you a run for your money. I don't know if I can beat you. Because that morning I okay. swallowed 22 pills, no problem, one gulp. Um, and, uh, and I was like, and that's why I literally, right when I did oh. that, I thought of you. Let's have a contest. Dude. But here's, here's the problem though. See the number of unread messages from inbox. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, I only have 380. So you're crushing me by like, 1432 <laughs> unread messages in my inbox. <laughs> and I will say for my friends who send me voice notes, you can't listen to a voice note when you're on a call or a video call. Mm. So the voice notes is Text are actually better. I should listen to that. Yeah. And then five days later, I still haven't listened to it because yeah. like, when am I going to do that? Yeah. It's, it's the question is who's lazier, the person sending the message that doesn't have the energy to type it yeah. or the person on the receiving end that doesn't have the energy to listen to a voice text, right? So, You know what I used to do? I, I had a couple of people who would like abuse voice text. It's one thing if you send mm. someone a voice text because it's like, I want you to hear my voice because I really care about you, man. Another thing when they're just like, blah, 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 blah. So I, I would just go, 
You know, it wasn't really clear. Could you record that again? And, and I would send my voice text and I would do like five <laughs> times and they get frustrated. That's great. Well, the, the, the thing is, when you say abused voice text, where, where my mind went was a one minute voice text. Got it. Three minutes, five minutes. Come on. And, you know, and then especially with details, right? They're like, oh, there's seven things I need to make sure that are really important that I get to you. You're like, by the end of the voice text, you're like, I forgot what the last yeah. seven were. Yeah. And I, I might do that when I'm working with my team or something because I'm driving somewhere, but I also pay them to transcribe it and turn them into action items. There you go. And like, it's kind of expensive to yeah. listen and transcribe unless there's emotional content. So yeah. in the Miracle Morning uh, perspective, yeah. when should you start listening to voice text? <laughs> after Miracle Morning. Okay. Yeah. After, yeah. Yeah. I can Check. Incorporate them somehow. Yeah. Play on your phone after you've done your Miracle Morning is ideal. Unless right. you're using the Miracle Morning app, to be fair. Okay. Uh, so it's funny. So we have a Miracle Morning app that, you know, people love, but I don't use it uh, because I don't like apps okay. for during my Miracle Morning. So it's this really weird conundrum to be like, hey, other people like it. I actually don't use it. I actually. So, so we can have this like big social. Why hell Elrod doesn't use his own app? <laughs> this is going to be great. Oh, Got geez. that, Joey? We're terrible. Gonna, gonna terrible. Blow it we'll, we'll have like an affiliate link to that. I don't know if we have an affiliate thing. I'm just teasing. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll totally blow it. Like the app that hell Elrod won't use. <laughs> Jeez, this is, this is being recorded. <laughs> this is my app developer, head of app development is going to hate that I said that. You know what, though? It, it's the same thing. I make a lot of tools for people that I don't need to use yeah. because I'm the one who made the tools. I already know all this stuff. There you go. So sometimes it's worth having it because my job is to make it so anyone listening or anyone following myself doesn't have to think. You just know what to do. You yeah. don't have to know mitochondrial biology, right? Because I spend all this time, you spend all this time honing your techniques. So if someone would wake up, I turn on the app, I'd have to think about it and I just did what it told me to do and I got the results. Yeah. Winning, but yeah. you don't need it. You're the, well, you're the pro. And that's it. I think that could be for anybody, right? So if you're new to the Miracle Morning, right? The app's like, oh, this makes it so much easier. It holds me accountable. It it facilitates Miracle Morning. But maybe 15 years later, like me, and thousands of Miracle Mornings, you're like, oh, I, I don't I don't need it anymore, you know? Yeah. Do you feel weird with people being accountable to an app? That's a good point, right? Little AI, futuristic, uh, dystopian question there, yeah. right? Or consideration. Yeah, no. No, I, I will say, actually, that is the one thing that I do use apps for is actually... Um, and that was the initial Miracle Money app was tracking the savers, the six practices, just checking them off and every day making sure you're accountable. That is actually one thing that I will use it for. And I use another app called, um, I can't think the name, but it's where I've got like any habit that I want to either quit or begin. Mm -hmm. uh, and every day I've got like six habits. And so I, I'll be like, okay, I, I checked that off, like not drinking alcohol right now. And that way I can track, right? Because it's really easy to go, I don't feel like I've been drinking that much. Right. Mm. But you don't really know. But now it's like there's a red mark or a green mark if I did or didn't do the thing. Oh, I've seen that app. I tried it. Way for, of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I tried it for like a day. <laughs> and I put on there like use the app and the next day I didn't. Yeah. So I actually like apps for accountability. Not really okay. that way, yeah. Now, here's a hard question for you. Mm. This is totally not what I was trying to talk to you about. But yeah, know, where, just, are, we, where to, are we going? Yeah. You're fun to chat with stuff about it. Because I like to see how you think about stuff. <laughs> so do you know Manish Sethi from Pavlock? No. I know Pavlok. I've heard of Pavlok. Okay, yeah. this must be like maybe eight, eight or so years ago, early days of the show. Uh, he reaches out. He's this crazy ADHD guy, and he got to be somewhat famous because he hired someone on Craigslist to come to his house and slap him in the face every time he used Facebook. So I don't know if it was a dominatrix or just some random woman who's like, "This is better than bartending," and she's like, "Just sit in his office and smack," because he found he was like unconsciously going yeah. to reach for it. And he said, this is amazing. So he ended up starting this watch 
Uh, and I, I did Shocks. invest like a very tiny amount of money. So guys, I'm not trying to sell this. Yeah. Uh, I haven't talked to Manish in a while. But um, it's a watch that shocks you yeah. every time you don't go to the gym or every time you have a craving for tobacco or whatever. Yeah. And he found like massive results from negative reinforcement, especially for addiction and for breaking habits. Yeah. Uh, and um, it was one of those things that I wouldn't have thought had efficacy. But we all focus on positive motivations, like affirmations, like all the good stuff. But what is the role, especially in an accountability partner? I mean, isn't an accountability partner just really about shame? Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, like, oh, you said you didn't do it? Bad boy. Yeah, yeah. Like, isn't that kind of... I think it's both. I mean, like, uh, you know, I know for me, and I think it was Tony Robbins that said, and I'm sure he didn't invent this, right? But just the idea that we will do far more to avoid pain than to gain pleasure, right? Um, and so I utilize that a lot in my affirmations. Sometimes I'll, I'll be, I'll be like you know, not doing, here's the consequence of not doing this and getting really present to that. You're like, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't want that to come true. Like the benefit is this, like, okay, but if that benefit isn't so compelling, right, that you're like, well, if I don't do it, I'm still okay. Versus if I don't do it, oh, here's how this will compound into negative consequences that are, man, I'm not willing to accept that future. So I've got to take action now. For 25 years, I've had a strong passion for understanding the science behind why we age and what we can do about it. One of the most groundbreaking discoveries in the last two decades is senolytics. Senolytics are plant-derived or pharmaceutical ingredients that can help your body drop old, worn-out cells. Scientists call them senescent cells, and in my books, I call them zombie cells. As you age, those senescent cells build up in your body. They live for a long time and they eat up your energy. There is a hack for this. It's called Qualia Synolytic. Your podcast sponsor, Neurohacker Collective, created Qualia Synolytic. It eliminates those zombie cells and has a clinical study that supports its effectiveness. I really felt a difference in how my body moved after just a couple months on Qualia Synolytic. It's upped my energy level even more and my joints feel really good. If you're over 30, and you want to use a clinically tested formula to help you feel younger, try Qualia Synolytic. To get younger now, visit neurohacker.com slash Dave and try it risk-free for up to 100 days. Use code Dave at checkout to get 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave. Use code Dave. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD+, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. Well, that seems like a fear-based thing because it's like you're forecasting the future. What was interesting about this other approach is that it's real-time pain. Mm. It's not like, oh, mm. you know, I, I might lose my house five years from now if I don't show up to work on time today. Yeah. 
Like, it's literally shocking you in the moment. Yeah, and like, yeah. let's face it, increasing penalties for crimes has never worked yeah. in studies because no one thinks they'll get caught. Mm, yeah. So future pain that isn't guaranteed yeah. versus the public, it's like it shocks you yeah. if you don't go to the gym and it's like an immediate thing or if you do whatever. Yeah. So I, I had me thinking about the whole accountability thing, which works really well. So yeah. you need accountability to your miracle morning and... You, know, you could like have someone you do it with, like a partner, yeah. or you have the app you're accountable to. But what if we wired the app in? So if you didn't do Miracle Morning, it shocked you. It shocked you? Would it work better? Yeah, maybe we partner with Pavlock, and yeah, I think there's some opportunity there. <laughs> the, the other Pavlock story, which I'll get off them in a second because <laughs> it just randomly came up. Um, Manish got on Shark Tank, okay, and actually got an offer from Mr. Wonderful. And he looks right at him and goes, oh, I would take money from any shark except for you. No and way. he totally trash-talked Mr. No Wonderful. No way. And I don't know if this was because of ADHD or <laughs> just because... Tourette's syndrome. Yeah, or maybe he's just really good at marketing because that clip... Because Mr. Wonderful was like, F you, get off the stage. And like, really... So, of course, that got tens of millions of views. No way. So, either it was like the most masterful yeah. PR move or just like a brain that was like... Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. So, Manish, if you're well, listening... What's interesting <laughs> about it, if it was a masterful PR move, the beauty of it is he gave away no equity and sold more of his product. Like, genius. <laughs> it was either genius or crazy. So, in know. other words, you need advice from him on how to be more polarizing because yours was a little bit yeah. softer in the beginning. And All right. Yeah, he's got, he can give you some tips. <laughs> So, so listeners, if you would, when you see this this on Instagram or uh, TikTok or wherever I put it, uh, if you could tell me what to be more polarizing about, I, I would appreciate that because, you know, I've, I've really worked on this and I'm, <laughs> I'm mostly just so peaceful. I just like to play with vegans because I was one. Yeah, I'm yeah, doing yeah. it as an act of service, but it's not like mean. I, I don't want to be like negatively polarizing. I just want to be like playfully polarizing. Yeah. Right. So, I used to be a vegan too. Me too, man. Yeah, for like, many years. What happened after you were a vegan? Honestly, uh, I read an article. I forgot. I don't know if his buddy sent it to me or what, but about um, B12 and how yeah. you you virt- it's almost impossible to get vitamin B12 in a vegan diet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like nutritional yeast. There's like two things, yeah. right? And that was, for me, I looked toward nature for, like, for the answers. And I went, oh, how can this be the quote unquote proper, correct, ideal diet that nature or God intended if it's missing a vital <laughs> nutrient. And then I'm like, where'd yeah. you be 12? It's like, oh, animal meat. Okay. And then I went back. Wow. So you were just very rational about it. Yeah. Yeah. I was devout, man. I had like juicers and sprouters and all that. And I I was hungry all the time. I got cold all the time. I My Hashimoto's got worse. A lot of other aches and pains from oxalate or oxalic acid mm. building up in my tissues. And finally, I started cracking teeth from mineral deficiencies. Literally, I had two of them shatter. Wow. And I'm like, maybe this isn't working. Yeah. And But even then, I think I would have hung on to it, but I went to Tibet. I'm like, I'm not eating like raw yak meat in the middle of nowhere that's been hanging on a post blowing in the wind. Ugh. Like, that's just not, yeah. I think I'll cook it first. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, yeah, I felt better. Though. What's interesting is I'm actually organic vegan by day and paleo by night. Like, that's the best way I could categorize it. Interesting. Meaning, um, so I start the day with a, 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 a raw vegan smoothie. Right. right. And it's got organic walnuts, organic Brazil nuts for selenium, you know, um, organic, um, what are the little tiny, um, chia, a chia also, um, hemp seeds. So chia seeds, okay. hemp seeds. So it's got a lot of, you know, protein and good fats. Um, uh, and then, and then some, you know, a few ber- berries and such. And then, and then for lunch, I have an organic vegan salad. Okay. Um, and then for dinner, I have whatever my wife makes, which last night was like beef tips and, you know, potatoes. And Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So to me, and to me, I get, I have more energy throughout the day. With, so 
that raw vegan, you know, lots of enzymes, mm-hmm. lots of, you know, getting the energy from the food. I still subscribe to that, that I learned at a Tony Robbins event yeah. in 2000. <laughs> you yeah, know? but you guys have a Tony on the vegan diet. I know, he, I mean, he's, he it went made, off. It made him really sick, so we started eating a lot of fish. But and then that made him sicker. He <laughs> didn't do the research. And like swordfish is the, the most polluted. Mercury, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he's back to eating normal foods now. Yeah. I'm so for sure. me, I, I find, I feel the best when I, like the other day, what did I have for lunch? I ate, because um, it, it was a holiday. And so I had some solid food some heavy cooked food for lunch mm-hmm. and I was like food coma. So I find that wow. when I eat raw vegan, I have more energy, but then I want the nutrients from the meat so that I stay for the evening and then I kind of tire out for the cat on the couch. Yeah. I tried eating some raw vegans recently, but it turns out <laughs> beef sashimi is not that nice. So I, uh, I decided to cook my vegans. That's, that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> okay, except cows eat cow's milk, right? But we, so here's a question. Is human milk vegan? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I will say cow's milk is something that I, that like I, I often, that's where I could get polarizing, which is I'm like, that's for, that's for baby calves. That's the only ma- animal that that milk was designed for, you know? And, and I always, who was it? There was a stand-up comedian that goes, um, I bet the first guy that tried cow's milk did a lot of other weird shit before that. <laughs> <laughs> that's classic, right? it, it's funny because just on a pound for pound basis, it's like one of our most affordable sources of protein. Mm. It's just that we've done bad things to cows so that the protein is the wrong form mm. for us. Yeah. And if you go back to the A2 raw grass-fed stuff, I think there's an argument that if you're not allergic, it's probably good for you just because you need that kind of fat and you need that much protein. But it's such a problem for people yeah. uh, because of allergies. So I, I do sheep's milk and I, I don't mind uh, that because I've, having run a small farm, I had a 32 acre farm. Oh, that's right. I forgot and, that. And we raise cows and pigs and sheep and chickens. Nice. Right. And I will tell you, pigs are very happy for all the milk they can get. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they love it. Love the, anything that's fat, chickens too. Oh yeah. They will, they will literally like fight each other for any piece of meat or dairy and you give them like the corn and all that. And they're like, oh, gross vegan. Uh, like, they just want the meat. They just can't funny. get enough of it. Yeah. Oh, I remember that I saw a post from you uh, or back when you were doing like Instagram or showing you doing that. You're like, hey, I'm feeding the chickens a bunch of meat. This is what they're like. Yeah. So we have 25 chickens and we have two sheep for milk. Love it. But we're about to get them pregnant from one of Tucker's uh, sheep. Um, so they haven't produced milk yet. So for the last oh, year wow. or two, they're not old enough. Right. And so, um, but I think, I think this spring is when my wife's going to impregnate them and, wow. and we're going to start having sheep's milk. So I'll what, bring you. What flavor of sheep are they? Um, they're an African breed. Oh, one looks like a deer. One looks like a goat. Wow. And so we either, either we, I've joked, I'm like, either we were just lied to and told, oh, yeah, no, they're, they're sheep. They're, they're this African breed. You can't even find them online. <laughs> they're antelopes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're goats, but uh, we, we were told they were sheep. We bought them as sheep. So yeah. Wow. We had baby doll sheep. That was our favorite. Or Shropshire and baby doll. Baby dolls think they're dogs. They're just so nice. Oh, yeah. Even the males only occasionally headbutt you. Oh. <laughs> uh, so they're just a little bit more manageable. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, man, bring me some sheep's milk. I'm all over that. Yeah. Oh, I found sheep butter for the first time. Mm, it, wow. it, it, it smells like feta, but it's butter. And mm. I'm kind of liking that. Nice. I haven't even had sheep's milk yet. I don't think I don't know if I've ever had it, but we'll... I've never had just the milk. I just the yogurt and the cheese. Is all oh, okay. So it. it's, it's one of those things where I think in the U.S. we're going to see a lot more people with sheep and goats. Mm. If you look back to like the 1930s when we had the uh, the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl and all that, yeah. largely caused by Rockefeller's interfe- interference with our society. Yeah. Screw you, Rockefeller. Anyway. Uh, when you look back at the history of that, like, wow, like one guy did a lot of evil. Oh, but, yeah. 
When oh, all that man. was happening in New York, there's pictures of every balcony. It has a little goat on it. No way. Because people are feeding all their scraps to the goat to get the milk from the goat. Oh, wow. Right? Wild. So this is one of those things where this is going to be, I think, a lean year. We just had a massive freeze. It's going <sighs> to, there'll be less food for the animals. And some kind people, either big food companies or maybe some other country's intelligence agency has gone through and blown up our dairy, meat, and egg production across the country. Dude, that's all a coincidence, you conspiracy the, theorists. The thousands and thousands of them that happened in order moving across the country. Yeah. Almost like a small group was moving around yeah, doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's Odd. something. I, I can't tell you I know who's doing it. I can <laughs> just tell you something's wrong. But that's why eggs are expensive. That's why meat's expensive. And they're trying to make meat. Like, like it was a very focused PR campaign. Oh, and yeah. I'll just tell you, what they haven't figured out is that big food company executives and politicians are made out of meat. And a sizable percentage of Americans will not eat crickets and soy. So if there's no cows to eat, they're going to go for the executives. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Just logic, right? You got to have some meat to live here. And uh, so, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't personally do that. I'm not advocating for yeah. whatever it was you were thinking of there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's pretty dark there. <laughs> Did you implanted that in my mind? That was for sure some subliminal... I'm uh, Dave Asprey, mind trickery. I'm triggered right now. <laughs> Good. All right. <laughs> Wait, what, 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 what are we going to talk morning. about? Miracle Morning? I'm, yeah. I'm here to get you in trouble. All right. So you're kind of a pro at overcoming big stuff. <laughs> uh, and I mean, you and I both face some things, but you faced some near-death things, um, both with a car accident when you were younger and then more recently with a pretty serious bout with cancer. So walk me through that just for listeners who haven't really heard the Hal story. Yeah. So uh, when I was 20 years old, um, I was driving home from giving a speech at a conference and hit head on by a drunk driver at 80 miles an hour. Um, my car spun off the drunk driver and the car behind me, uh, not tailbone me, T-bone me uh, at 70 miles an hour. And the left side of my body was just crushed. I broke 11 bones Dang. instantaneously. My femur broke in two pieces. My pelvis broke in three places. My arm broke in half. Uh, my elbow shattered. My eye socket shattered. And I was found dead at the scene. I, I, I was clinically dead for approximately six minutes. Uh, airlifted to a hospital. They revived me on the helicopter, brought back to life, flatlined twice more while I was in a coma for six days, and then came out of the coma, was told I would never walk again, and I had permanent brain damage. So that was my first bout with death, if you will. And then uh, seven years ago, when I was 37 years old, I was diagnosed with a rare aggressive form of cancer, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And this was way more difficult because the I doctors, uh, I was given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving but the difference was now I had kids. I had a seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. And, um, and to be told that there was a, you know, a 20 to 30% chance of living means there's a 70 to 80% chance that you're going to die. And when I went to the hospital, I found out I had cancer because my heart was failing, my lung was failing, and my kidneys were failing. We talked like a week or two before you got diagnosed. Yeah. Uh, I think we rode to an airport together. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, man, like you were gray. I was like, something's wrong. And wow. I, I know, like you could just kind of feel like you were yeah. just barely putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, and, thanks for not saying anything, dude. Well, no, I, I, I just thought <laughs> you could have You could have saved me. I, I thought you were tired. Yeah. I was like, man, this guy's like depleted. I mean, yeah. it was a Joe yeah. Polish event. The odds yeah. are we didn't get a lot of sleep. Yeah. That, it, I mean, yeah, you always, uh, you always, when you're with Joe Polish, you, there's so much excitement. It's not that you're out drinking like no, it's yeah. just that you're, you're out talking like yeah, right? Totally. Good people. Uh, I've been a member for like 10 years. So, I, I'm just, I, I remember the, the change in your energy because you're a real high energy guy. Yeah. And I was kind of like, you know, must, must be like life stress. But yeah. um, if you could go back now and kind of look at it with the wisdom, um, when was the first time that you knew something was wrong with the cancer? I did not. Well, so I woke up one morning, uh, like two in the morning, and uh, 
struggling, <gasps> just struggling to breathe. And um, you know, my wife woke up hearing me wheeze, and and uh, she goes, "What's wrong?" I said, "I can't, I can't breathe." And she sits me up, all these pillows behind my back, and. The next day, I went into the ER uh, and urgent care, and they uh, they 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 misdiagnosed me. They saw the mass on my lung, and they went, "It looks like." I mean, literally, the doctor's tone was, "It looks like you have pneumonia, but if you don't get better in a few days, go get a second opinion." He was very unsure, and they gave me a Z pack of antibiotics. And every day, I was breathing less and less and less. And I spent the next week or and a half in the ER. Every other day, my lung was drained of about a liter and a half of fluid. And then wow. it would fill back up, drain it again, fill back up, drain it again. And no one knew it was wrong. So now they sent me to this other hospital in Austin, St. David's. And they tested me and they said, you have, it looks like you have cancer, but we want you to get a second opinion. Uh, go to MD Anderson Cancer Hospital. Mm-hmm. And so I went. And then that's when the doctor said, you've got a 20 to 30% survival rate. Mm-hmm. If you don't start, ke- no, sorry. You're going to die in the next week or two if you don't start chemo. That is the best marketing ever, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is I thought he was, so I, I, I was like, I don't, you know, I'm like, I don't trust what you're saying. Good for you. So I said, let me go do my own. Because uh, imagine this, Dave. So here's, here's what he's telling me. You have two choices. Don't do chemo and you're going to die in a week or two. Do chemo and there's only a 20 to 30% chance that you're going to live. Yeah. You know, it'd be like going to a financial advisor that's like, hey, give me all your money and trust me with your life savings and I'm only going to lose it. 80% of the time. It's an industry. Yeah. And so I went home and I Googled best holistic oncologists in the country. And I called a couple of them and they both said, chemo is your best bet. This cancer that you have is so aggressive and fast acting. Your, your organs are already failing. Your doctor was not actually lying to you that you're going to die in a week or two. Nothing we can do. So I'm like, well, if the best holistic oncologist in the country can't help me, damn it, what am I going to do? We did the right thing. Yeah. And that's something for, for listeners Guys, there is no moral judgment on pharmaceutical, chemo, radiation, cancer, for, for, or even highly processed food. The mm. only thing that matters is where are you now, what's your goal, and what are the tools, and what are the risks and rewards? And there's a sizable number of cancers where, huh, for that kind of cancer, all the things we have say, chemo really works. And maybe you should also stack it with acupuncture and affirmations. And that's what I did. I did, I, I did every holistic practice known to man in conjunction. Coffee enemas three days a week. I took 70 supplements a day, lymphatic massage, acupuncture, ozone sauna, you name it. And I think that's the biggest message, by the way, for anybody listening. Do not trust a doctor with your life because you're a number. They have very little skin in the game. They they lose patients, big deal. No one's going to take responsibility for your life other than you. And that was, that's the mindset. I don't know, man. The the doctors I know, they they feel it when they lose someone. It just depends if they're your regular doctor or you're just coming in for a specialist thing. Sure. Uh, but no, no doctor likes to lose people, but they, you're right. They don't have the same skin in the game and they're trained to tolerate that. And on my very, my second visit, when I went back to the doctor, I'm like, okay, I'll do chemo. I asked the oncologist, I said, Hey, just, I, and I, this was my test for him. I said, what part does diet play in my recovery? And he said, it doesn't matter as long as you do the chemo. That's and I'm like, how can I trust stupid? Right. And so, and I was so angry, not for me. But when I would go to the cafeteria and see his other patients dragging their IV chemo towel around, eating pizza and ice cream and cake and soda, and just so angry with the system that we're right? I'm like, I can't change it. But I'm like, man, you're telling, that person doesn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And that's where I actually felt a sense of responsibility that I owe it to, to the world to beat this cancer so that I can help other people on their healing journey that might not be blessed with the knowledge and the resources that I've been fortunate because I listen to Dave Asprey read his books to come across. (laughs) There's very good evidence that most cancer 
is highly sensitive to insulin and glucose. Yeah. Right. So if you know what kind of cancer you have, yeah. then maybe controlling sugar intake would be really useful. Yeah. Right. And for a doctor to say, we don't know, there's this weird mindset. I once asked a doctor, I don't remember what medical procedures a while ago, go, hey, like I'm taking whatever vitamin C or zinc or something. Do you think there's any reason that I should, you know, pay attention to that? Yeah. He goes, oh, no, don't take it. I go, why? He goes, well, there's no studies of that. And, and I looked at him and I said, there's no studies of lotion with that. And you're saying I could use lotion, right? And he just stops and looks at me and goes, that's a good point. He goes, I really don't see any reason you couldn't do that. I go, thanks. That's the opinion I wanted. Yeah. But, but the default to never giving an opinion without a study yeah. is handing your balls to big pharma. Yep. So I know that there's tens of thousands of functional and, and even non-functional doctors, just Western doctors who listen to the show, sometimes they hate on me, but quite often just because I think differently because I'm a computer hacker, right? Yeah. And guys, you know, you're medical professionals. I'm not. Uh, so I have a lot of respect. Like if, if my bone's broken, I don't, know, I don't have any idea. What to, I don't know physiology. Or yeah. I know mitochondrial biology. So um, I look at that stuff and, and they're listening to this. Yes, you have to take into that stuff that you're probably not trained in. And if you do it, then you say, well, I'm unaware of any evidence, but given what we know mechanistically, here is what I think is the best bet. Yeah. And what that leads to is, well, it's okay to move forward, make a decision and be wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? And partly because of insurance and because of uh, attorneys, it's like the status quo, which is shitty, is the safest alternative for them, but the worst alternative for you and me. Sure. And I, I think in, in functional medicine, people think a little bit differently. And then it's always a struggle with insurance companies. Yeah. But I got to ask you something. Since you've been through this whole process twice now, I was just reflecting with a friend recently. An absurd number of my friends have died and come back or been struck by lightning. Like okay. an absurd number. <laughs> so maybe you guys don't want to be my friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Although it usually happens before I know them. Okay. Uh, so when you died, do you think you woke up with superpowers or with a different awareness of things? Like, did you get mm. downloaded with alien malware or anything like that? I, I don't That's, know. No, interesting. Well, I mean, I do, I do feel, um, you know, I've, I've done, whether it's through deep meditations or plant medicine sessions where um, really feeling connected to, God, the source, mm -hmm. and, and, and getting the message that you're on a very specific journey and I've put you through these things while giving you every resource you needed to be able to overcome them so you can keep paying it forward and helping other people. So I've like, I've gotten that in every fiber of my being. And so um, if there's any superpower, I think we all have a superpower. For me, it's been being able to get through these adversities uh, in a way where I extract as much value to then share it with others. So you're, you're a highly resilient person. It's interesting. Uh... I interviewed Kimball Musk, like in his kitchen, you know, cooking steaks. And I made a joke about DMT sauce. Uh, DMT is the active ingredient yeah. in ayahuasca. It's a hallucinogen yeah. uh, for the steaks. And, and he started laughing. We kind of talked about it. And he said, oh, yeah, I, I've done DMT. He said, but I didn't, I didn't really need to because he also had a near-death experience. He uh, broke his neck and was unconscious mm -hmm. for three days, almost died when he was, I think, 36. And so he said, during that time, I, I met God. Mm. So... With when he was on DMT, he's like, been here, been here, done, done that. that. Yeah. Did you have that kind of experience with either one of these? Because of my um, the the brain damage I suffered mm -hmm. from the head-on collision, right? So my 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 frontal orbital lobe was completely smashed in the front of my skull at seventy miles an hour, eighty right. miles an hour. Um. So I have no memory of the time that I was dead. Um. Nor two weeks after. 
Um, I have very little memory of yesterday. I mean, the brain damage I suffered from that. So yeah, so I have no recollection. Um, for me, it's just more of an internal knowing, which in some ways is more powerful than like, I saw a light versus like, I have this, to me, this inner um, just conviction that I'm supposed to help as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. This is a question. Man, I have all this cool stuff based on your book. We're going to get some of the stuff. <laughs> but I got to ask you all the, the hard questions. So I, I've had a chance at, at 40 Years of Zen, my, my neurofeedback company. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's in part like a, a digital mystery school, you could say. Like a, a recent person came out like, it's like the best plant medicine ceremony I ever had, but without the plants. Because mm-hmm. right? you, you kind of trip on things like this. and. And when I'm working with these like high level spiritual guru type of people, a lot of them say what you just said. Mm. They say, like, I, I, I want to help everyone. But most of them, when you get right down to it and they're, you know, being vulnerable, uh, because when you do the ego work, you become vulnerable, mm-hmm. they're exhausted. Because mm. like they'll walk into a room and like, okay, I have to help everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And they get, caregiver fatigue but on the scope on the range the scale of millions of people yeah and as i kind of work on it i've certainly just like i'm going to help everyone who wants help but there's a difference between helping everyone and everyone who wants help Mm. or checking in with your guidance or higher power or masters whatever lineage you're with and saying am i supposed to help this person like maybe that person chose suffering and they haven't got got their own journey sure and if i flip the switch for them they're not going to get the message yeah so I, I've kind of modulated my thing. So even when you know Tony Robbins is like, I'm going to feed a, a billion people. Like, well, what if the billion people don't want to eat or they don't want to eat what you're feeding them? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, there's, a, there's some sort of energetic difference between I'm going to do X for a billion people and I'm going to do X for the people who would benefit or the people who yeah. want it. Do you have a differentiation in your mind about that? Yeah, I think that for me, um, you know, uh, all I, like the way that I go about the Miracle Morning is I just do podcasts like this. I give speeches. I just am sharing it. And so to me, <laughs> the people, yeah. yeah, the people that are attracted to it are going to do mm-hmm. it and the people that write. So yeah, so there's no one that I'm, it's not like I'm like, I'm like, I need to convince this person. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you know, you need to, it's like, look, either you resonate with the message or not. And I'm very aware of like, you know, so my, my message or like, I'll say that I have 8 billion people to share with the Miracle Morning. I'm not, I, I'm not delusional to think that I'm going to convince everybody to do the Miracle Morning. In fact, I probably won't even reach 8 billion people. Like realistically, I don't know. But right. to me, it's just an intention of like, how are you living your life? How are you showing up? And for me, I'm going to show up every day at my best. I'm going to, at my, my relative best. I'm going to try to be at my best. Miracle mornings would help me do that every morning, right? Start the day in a peak state. Um, and then I'm going to help as many people as I can that day. And I will tell you this, cancer was a mindset shift for me. Mm-hmm. Back then, I was much more like, I have to help everyone. And I valued quantity over quality at yes. that time. And what, and, and what happened is I realized, oh, I'm a workaholic. Mm-hmm. I say that family is my number one priority. I've got two kids and a wife at home. But gee, I sure do give up a lot of weekends if they're my highest priority because I got more people to help. And at that time, I really thought, I've got to help all these people. I'm doing this work, God's work, right? And now it's like, I realize I will never impact people at the level that I can help my daughter, my son, and my wife. And so I give up a lot of opportunity now to impact the masses to spend time with my family. You got to put it on the calendar and value it. Yeah. I, I'm reminded of a, a time years ago when I was on a panel at Google uh, at their headquarters. And it was with the guy who made What the Health, like huh. this kind of like dark energy propagandist guy. And someone in the back of the room stood up and says, I want to be a, a, vegan, a vegan food activist. Like, do you guys have some advice for me? <laughs> and I thought about it. And, and, I, and I said, shut up and eat. And people started clapping, right? And he said, well, what do you mean? So here's the deal. You don't have a right to be an activist because that would just make you a bully. Mm. What you do have a right to do is to take action that you believe is right, demonstrate that it works so well that people ask you. Mm. People seek you out. Yeah. Then you've earned the right to be a leader, but you can't be an activist because then you're just a bully and you yeah. sound like Greta Grundelberg. Yeah. You know, like, hey, shame on you. I don't have any solutions, but I'm skipping school on Friday, <laughs> but now I'm 20, so people can pick on me and not say I'm a high school girl. Dude, <laughs> Greta, build some shit that changes things. Stop whining. Yeah. But that's the vegan activist mindset. Got it. By the way, in the Enneagram, um, the activist is like my kryptonite. So, mm. guys, fix it. Don't talk about it. All right. All right. <laughs> And it, what it, it all comes down to, though, is, is this is about removing the, the judgment and the, the sense of morality about helping five people versus helping 50 million people. They're exactly the same thing. Yeah. As long as you're helping the people that you can help, yeah. who desire help, that's it. There's zero difference between the two. Yeah. And any difference that you feel is just ego. Yeah. You agree with that? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. No, let me, let me push back a little bit. And I might not be pushing back, so I don't even know what I'm going to say here. Let me try. Um, the, so when I wrote The Miracle Morning, uh, it was out of a sense of responsibility that this, yeah. this morning routine changed my life in a profound way. And then I started teaching it to people like my coaching clients and mm-hmm. people that I knew. And they're like, I'm not a morning person. And they'd come back a week later to our call and go, oh my gosh, it, how? This works. So that's where I I'll go, okay, wait, if this changed my life and their life and we weren't morning people, like this could help anyone. So I have a responsibility to share this with other people. So I wrote and self-published the first book. But when I did so, I was—I didn't have an audience. So I wasn't thinking, you know, I'm like, yes, this could change the world, but I'm not going to reach the world. Like, I just want to help. If I help one, it's yeah. a whole that mentality, one person. Right. But what happened is when the book came out and then I'm getting dozens and then hundreds and then thousands of emails and reviews, like this saved my marriage. This got me off my meds. This, mm-hmm. this, right? Then I'm like, 
oh, I really got a mindset of like, it is selfish of me. That's how I, and I felt. And I don't know if I still feel that way, but I think that I do. It's selfish of me to not do everything in my power to at least introduce this to as many people as possible because it can really help. So, mm-hmm. thoughts on that? I, I think as many people as possible is the, uh, is, is the, the nuance. Mm. Because, yeah, as many as possible or as many as are available. And if as are available versus is equal to the same as possible, then, yeah, then you I think it, it does. It's like as many as I can yeah. get in front of and reach I, and talk to. Yeah. I know that when I started the, the blog that became Bulletproof, um, I already had a, a, like a full-time VP job at a big tech company in the computer security industry. I had two young kids. Like I, starting a company is kind of dumb. Mm. And I wasn't starting a company. I just said, look, I've spent 20 years gathering this knowledge. I spent $2 million, at the time $1 million, uh, on reversing all this negative stuff that happened to me with my health. And like, I'm healthier, happier, more successful. Like things are better than they ever have been. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm like a leader in longevity and nootropics and, and it's just my hobby. Yeah. So I'm going to write this and five people are going to read the blog. Yeah. That was my goal. Yeah. And if they avoid the million dollars and just the suffering that I went through when I was a teenager and, and a young man and someone who's 19 reads it and it changes their life, I'm... I'm all in just for like five people. That's was it. Yeah. And it, it grew to a lot more than that, you know, and became a hundred million dollar a year company. But it wasn't the goal when I started. It was yeah. just five people. And along the way, like some things stood out. Maybe one of the most meaningful was, this is maybe just two years after I started it. Uh, I came, actually, I think it was to here in Austin at, at an event. And... This guy walks up and he goes, Dave, you know, I just, we have a gift for you. And it was a bag. It had like a couple of frozen ribeyes and a stick of butter and a card. And the card was signed by all of his family. And he said, you know, we found your stuff 90 days ago. And, you know, here's a picture of us then. And here's a picture of us now. And you couldn't even recognize them. Like, like they'd all lost huge amounts of weight. Wow. But, but the one that stood out was a 16-year-old girl. And she was like really fat, hmm. right? And I was pretty heavy in high school. Uh, and certainly at the beginnings of college. So she, she's just heavy and you know, bad skin and all that stuff. And then the picture from nine days later is, is a beautiful skin, healthy, wow. healthy shape, just like vibrant. And, and I'm like, damn, I wish someone had done that for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and like, I almost cried when I saw it. I was yeah. like, man, like this, this is just so profound. And the act of helping a person to your nervous system and to your spirit, I think it's the same as helping a million people. I think we're built to do that. Yeah. That's what we're built to do. Yeah. Humans are built to serve each other, help each other, support each other, connect with each other, love each other. That's it. How does that incorporate in your Miracle Morning practice? So when I started the Miracle Morning, it was a, I'd say it was a selfish pursuit. And I don't put any negativity toward that word, um, right? But meaning it was 2008, the US economy had crashed. I crashed with it. I lost my house, foreclosed on by the bank. I'm in physically terrible shape, living on credit cards, right? I'm really low point. Yeah. And so I was just looking for a solution to get out of debt and turn my life around. And the Miracle Morning, it wasn't called the Miracle Morning. It was my morning practice. And after two months, I doubled my income at the height of the Great Recession. And I remember the moment I ran to tell my wife, I signed on a second coaching client for the day. I said, sweetie, I signed on two more coaching clients today. She goes, congratulations. I go, no, 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 you don't understand. Tipping, we just doubled our income in the last two months from this. It's all because of this morning routine. It's the practice I'm doing in the morning. I go, it feels like a miracle. And without skipping a beat, she goes, it's your miracle morning. And I go, I like that miracle morning. But again, not a book idea. I just wrote down miracle morning every day. That was like, that was my thing, my miracle morning. I started teaching it to coaching clients, right? So the point is it started out with me. 
Like I need to change my life. But now I do the miracle morning in service of others. So for me, the miracle morning helps me be the husband that my wife deserves and the, the, the dad that my kids deserve because I focus on optimizing myself in the morning. Yep. And then I can show up my best. And of course, yes, selfishly, I want to be happy and I want to be healthy and I want to be financially secure and all of those things that doesn't go away. But also it's like anything, once your needs are taken care of, right? Then you feel like, oh, I'm liberated. Who, who do I want to help today? Because like you said, that's where I actually feel the most lit up and fulfilled is when I'm helping someone else. And so that for me is it, is how do I take care of myself first in the morning now that I can go out and be the husband and the father and the leader that uh, the people that uh, I serve need. So, so now you're talking about some kind of masculine and, and feminine roles mm. even here. You know, like should I was the husband, the father yeah. that I need to be. Most guys, including me, have been socialized and put put everyone else first. Like you don't take care of yourself yeah. first. You take care of your family first. Uh, and a, a big part of my belief is you know, creating that state of high performance and resilience. It comes from taking care of your own needs because then you have 10 times more energy to take care of your community, your family, and all those things. Yeah. Uh, and I've been doing a lot of work. It might end up being a book one of these days. A lot of work just with local local friends here in Austin, um, especially some like younger guys, you know, twenties and thirties who are stepping into like the phase of building a family and building a career and all that. Um, and it's it's interesting to see the shifts and, and the differences over time. And you know, what does it mean to be a quote man? What's your take on that? What's it mean to be a quote man? Yeah. Uh, that's a, it's a great question. And I don't know that I have a, a top of the mind answer, but if I give it a little bit of thought, um, to me, it's doing what's right. Mm. If I were to simplify it, I think one of the most valuable things I learned when I was, thank God, when I was 20, uh, my mentor, uh, in, in, I was in sales and uh, our division manager, he said, the secret to success is do what's right, not what's easy. Yep. And to me, what's right is what's ever in alignment with your values your commitments and the, the highest version of yourself that you know intuitively what that is for you. Um, and, uh, and then what's easy is anything that's not in alignment with your values, your commitments and the highest version of yourself. And so to me, that's being a man, but it could also be just being a woman, being the best version yeah. of yourself. I was going to ask about that. So the difference between the masculine side of taking care of the family yeah. versus the feminine side of taking care of the family. Yeah. yeah. Is there a difference between men and women in the miracle morning practices? Men and women are identically the same, Dave. Don't you know? Oh, <laughs> women are small men. I forgot about that with those pesky boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that is, uh, it's to each their own, so to speak. But, um, you know, like in my household, we're, we have some, you know, my wife takes care of the kids. And actually, I will say this. When I was coming up, uh, when I was in, you know, my 20s, um, I was attracted to people like me right? Like we all are. Yeah. And so I thought I wanted, I thought in a wife, I want a wife that's just like me. She's hard charging <laughs> and she works a lot and she's really charismatic and productive and a top performer. It's such a young person thing. I was like, I want a, I want a computer hacker wife. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, and then maybe not. <laughs> once my wife and I started dating, what I realized is I want the same attribute, someone that is disciplined and that is focused and that is willing to go above and beyond to perform at a high level. But I realized, oh, I want her to do that with our family and take care of our kids and our household. But my wife's the most productive. I mean, she 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 processed twenty five chickens the other day. Like my wife that runs, our, she runs our ranch, dude. She's um, she Hard wrapped all of our pipes for this winter freeze. She is incredible. But if she was out there selling books like me, mm -hmm. <laughs> right, and doing interviews, 
it's like, wait, well, wait, but but who's taking? Oh, so the nanny's taking care of the kids, mm. right? And no judgment if that's the case, but like, I, I so I, I I came to realize that it was the attributes that I valued, not the same, you know, outcomes, right? So yeah, so for me in our household, um, my wife's and she just just it's just naturally like last night my daughter um had a little heartbreak. And uh, I'm like, I, I oh, my poor baby, I don't know what to do. And I don't know what to say. <laughs> and my wife knew what to do. And she knew what to say. And she laid with my daughter in bed. And, you know, my daughter went from crying to I'm listening through the door. And they're laughing, cracking up. And that's a feminine energy that, you know, that it just that my wife, that nurturing that I, I don't quite have. Uh, I, I love that you're willing to talk about that. And, you know, I, I'm I'm all in on the fact that Men and women can do most of the same things. Totally. Other than pick up heavy stuff. Like, sorry, sorry, guys. Like, like, my wife, by the way, actually can almost, almost out, dude, yeah. she is strong. They, yeah, there, yeah. there are definitely women who can kick my ass. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying on average. On like, average, yeah. Well, the, you just look at the, the world record in lifting for men and the world record in lifting for women. There's a difference. Well, not, there, there is now, but there's a couple of those Canadian power oh, that are, guys that, are, yeah. that just switch. They switch teams. They identified. So to speak, yeah. So yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. the women's scores are going up. Yeah, but uh, we'll, uh, we we won't say whether that's valid or not. <laughs> um, but I think everyone knows. Uh, so so there's careful with that common sense over there, Dave. I you know I'm I live in Texas. You're allowed to have common sense over here. Um, but you know I I'm also because I'm a biohacker. And people are like you know they'll always tell you like. In the same post, they'll accuse me of being a radical liberal and a radical conservative. Uh, and I'm like, guys, I support your right to have four balls if you want to, right? <laughs> and you want to put a vagina on your forehead, like it's your body. You do anything you want to do and you have my full unreserved support, Yeah, right? Just don't make other people do it. Yeah, right? yeah. That, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I don't think there's a party for that. Um, other than <laughs> one of an independent candidate who seems to support our individual freedoms th- this year. Yes, um, RFK. Yes. So uh, he's he's said he's spoken more sense than I've heard from anyone in politics in my entire life. Yeah. So. And and the the sense that it comes from a, a authentic place, a, a, a heartfelt place. To, yeah. Following his principles. Yep. So I'm I'm hopeful there. But but the the idea there, you know, that that people can take offense or whatever, dude, take offense. Like Joe Rogan tried to cancel me for two years straight. Right? Do you know about that? No. Oh. I vaguely remember. Yeah. yeah. It was like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was like he was selling a competing coffee and MCT oil. And the second he started doing that, I was like, Dave's a con artist, despite like, a, I don't know, 100 shows where he's just praising all my stuff. Yeah. And he deleted my episodes when I went to Spotify. So crazy, dude. So like I, but I like, I went through all that stuff. So you're going to yell at me because I say something you don't like? Well, okay, here's the deal. The vegan diet doesn't work. Okay, you can yell at me for that, right? You know, men and women are different. Yell at me for that, right? And that said, I'd also say, Men have the ability to turn on full feminine energy and still be men. Mm-hmm. And women have the ability to turn on full masculine energy. And like, there's women who will pick a car up off their babies. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, there's women <laughs> who will kill you if you fuck with their family. Yeah. Right? So we, all, we can both do all that. Oh, that's cool. And I, I support your right to do whatever the heck you want to do. Yeah. But I'm also going to talk about it. Because in the context of Miracle Morning, um, I've been doing a lot of work on differences of fasting mm. for men and women. There's a whole chapter in... Uh, let's see, in Fastest Way, my fasting book, it's all about the psychology of fasting, which is similar for men and women, but the fasting window for women is different. Mm -hmm. And women oftentimes need more sleep or they need varying amounts of sleep based on where they are in their cycle, right? So there's times when they have a bigger biological burden when they're in their fertile years, right? So leading up to their period, like, okay, so if you're going to need an extra hour of sleep for a week, 
right? Just because your body's working extra sure. hard, just like if I lifted really heavy for a week, right? Yeah. So what does that do for Miracle Morning? Like wake up at 5 a.m.? Like, do you get to wake up at 6 a.m. if you're a woman or if you're yeah. under more biological stress? Like, like, do you go to bed earlier? Do you wake up later? It's a great point. I've never heard that question before. So um, the, I mean, I think about the Miracle Morning. So I watched an interview of the day and I want to make sure, or not an interview, sorry. I watched a woman did an, a, a video book review of the 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. And I love Robin. I learned a lot. In fact, when I was writing The Miracle Morning and I'm researching morning routines, mm -hmm. Robin was like, I learned a ton from him, right? Cool. Um, and then she had The Miracle Morning, like comparing the two books. And I was like, really curious. Um, but one thing she liked about Miracle Morning is how flexible it is. It's not at a set time. If you're a shift worker, your Miracle Morning might actually start at 1 p.m., right? If you have a newborn baby, your Miracle Morning might be in 10-minute increments during the first <laughs> 10 minutes of your baby's nap. And yeah. then you go to bed with the baby. So you do... Yeah one or two of the savers, the six practices of the Miracle Morning, right? And then you go take a nap with your baby. And then you wake, and then the next set nap, right? So it's totally customizable. And so for me, it's like, you know, it's not waking up super early. It's just waking up maybe 30 minutes before you have to be up to get somewhere. So that rather than start your day in a reactive state, you're starting your day with intention, self-care, and proactively putting yourself in a peak state so you can show up better for the people you love, people that you lead, at work, et cetera. I, I really like that. And that's one thing I like about your work too. So before I started the biohacking movement, before Bulletproof was a thing, uh, I guess I had gone to Nepal and Tibet. I had yak butter tea and I was like perfecting the recipe that became Bulletproof coffee mm. uh, and that I've since evolved even post-Bulletproof. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, I know that people who wake up early are morally superior to people who, <laughs> who sleep in because the early bird always gets the worm, Yeah, right? Sure. So I woke up at 5 a.m. every day, no matter what. And for me, my bedtime since 10 years old has been 2 a.m. It's actually really? 2.04 a.m. or 2.02 a.m., somewhere in that window. Very, very consistently, that exact time is when I'm like tired and I just got to go to sleep. And I've written so many of my, my books and all in that window between 11 and 2 where everything's quiet and like mm. the energies are quieter. I, you can just channel stuff then. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm just going to wake up no matter what. And I did. I would wake up and I'd spend an hour. I would do um, chanting like Kriya. I would do breath work. I'd do art of living. I'd have my green tea before I had my coffee and, you know, burn crystals. Okay, didn't really do that. That was <laughs> burning crystal meth, different time. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but like I, I, you know, I did it really intensely for two years. And at the end of two years, I'm like, okay, I've taught myself that I can wake up at 5 a.m., but I'm less creative and I just don't like it. Mm. And later as I learned circadian biology, I'm like, you know what? I'm more of a wolf. And mm. I, with the, the stuff, and by the way, guys, sleepwithdave.com, best URL of my life. Mm. Um, totally free. <laughs> That's a great URL. <laughs> like I'll teach you how to sleep. Uh, it's every tool, but I can go to bed at 10, 1030 now for really in the last five, six years, I learned how to do this mm. because of all the biohacking and it feels natural and normal. But until then, Man, I needed my miracle morning to be at 7 a.m. because mm -hmm. otherwise I was going to be sleep deprived. Sure. So I sleep deprived myself for a couple of years trying to prove that this was possible and it was possible, but it wasn't optimal. Yeah. And with miracle morning, even in our first interview, you're like, yeah, start it when you need to start it. And the flexibility there versus that early bird thing, that I think is a game changer because there are people listening right now who aren't even shift workers. They're just like, you know what? I don't feel good if I wake up early. Totally. Right? Yeah. It, it, now, here's my question for you, Hal. Hmm. Is it true that the early bird works for the late bird? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, the uh, 
No, I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to uh, now I'm triggered. That fine that you finally you finally oh, got me triggered. That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you ask me such a question? Walk listeners through Savers. This is your acronym for what you do during a Miracle Morning. And when you guys read the Miracle Morning book, the new expanded edition, you you get all the notes for this, obviously. But just walk me through yeah. real quick. And I will say, just for anybody that's like, I have the original Miracle Morning. The new edition has seventy pages of new content. Uh, including 25 new pages in the savers section alone. And okay. then it has a new chapter, The Miracle Evening, which is your strategy for blissful bedtime and better sleep. And then the last chapter, the new chapter, The Miracle Life, which is your path to inner freedom. So I just wanted to give a quick high, high level Good. of what, what's new. And I rewrote almost every page of the book because if you go back and read your work from 10 years ago, yeah. it's embarrassing. You're like, oh my God, I can't right. believe I was a terrible writer. So I, uh, I updated everything. But um, the savers are, so these are six of the most timeless, proven personal development practices in the history of the world. Like I didn't invent any of them, but I'll, I'll quote mm -hmm. Robert Kiyosaki or I'll paraphrase what he said when Robert had me on his show. He said, Hal, I've read The Miracle Morning three times, which that right there, my jaw kind of dropped, you know. One of my favorite authors read my book three times, pretty cool. That's amazing. Um, but he said, Hal, um, before you wrote The Miracle Morning and you created the SAVERS acronym, he said every successful person on the planet attributes their success to at least one, if not two or three of the SAVERS. He said, but I've never met anyone or heard of anyone that did all six of these ancient best practices. He said, I think you named the book correctly, The Miracle Morning, because he said any one of these will change your, any one of the SAVERS will change your life. But he goes, my experience has been in the last few months since I've been doing all six will create miracles for you. And wow. he's lost a ton of weight. It, it helps his marriage. I mean, you name it. Um, and uh, anyway, so that's the kind of beginning with the end in mind, like the holistic look at the savers. It stands for silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. So those are the six practices. And by the way, before my wife had the idea for the acronym, the S silence was meditation. Mm -hmm. And the S for scribing at the end was journaling. So it would have been Maverja, would have been the acronym. My wife said, why didn't you get a thesaurus and see if you can swap some of those words? But here's the, the so, point. So you're saying one of the feminine powers is being right? Yeah, every okay. time. I, yeah, I, I, almost I every time, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, she's my muse, man. She always, she gets it right. But, uh, but so yeah, those are the six practices and you can do them in any order. It can be, there's a chapter in the book called the six minute savers. So literally you can scale this. It could be a 60 minute practice. It could be a six minute practice. It could be a 30 minute practice, anywhere in between. Um, and yeah, like to, to Robert Kiyosaki's point, any one of these will change your life when you stack all six of the most effective practices. You put yourself in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state. You program your subconscious mind with the beliefs that you need to you know, achieve whatever you want in your life. I mean, there's so many benefits. You improve your energy level through that morning exercise, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. We can dive in, in any, any aspect that you want. So that, that's kind of your updated routine. What I thought was was kind of cool is you also have a slumbers routine, which is the evening <laughs> yeah. one. And it's got some biohacks in there. You've got, you know, stop eating three to four hours before bed, circadian biology, boom, yeah. love it. Let go of stressful thoughts of kind of, you know, stress relief. Yeah. Natural sleep aids. What's your favorite natural sleep aid? Um, so I don't have a favorite. I stacked four of them. Uh, I take uh, magnesium. Mm -hmm. I take uh, valerian root. That stuff smells so bad, but it works. Yeah, in a capsule form, it's fine. Um, and then I take a, CB, a, a combination of CBD and CBN oil. It's a product okay. by Cured Nutrition. It's called um, okay. night, or night, Nighttime Oil. Um, and then I take uh, the melatonin uh, that uh, it's a grass. It's a, yeah, it's, a, it's a natural melatonin. Okay, cool. How much melatonin? Uh, three milligrams. Okay, cool. So yeah. rel relatively, well, 
high based on biological creation, but low based on what some people are doing. So yeah, cool. And you talk about mapping out your next day. Now, I'm kind of torn about that mm. because if you focus on all the stuff you're going to be doing the next day, like when you go to sleep, you might kind of be stressed about that. But I've also talked with a, was a Navy SEAL or a combat, might have been a special forces guy. And he was working on sleep with people. And, and he found that, that for people with stress around going to sleep and recurring thoughts, writing it down works really well. Yeah. But if you don't have recurring thoughts, is like planning out the day ahead still a best practice for you? So I, yes and no. Here's the way that I look at it. So yeah, if you've got like, if your mind is racing, oh, I got to do that tomorrow. Oh, wait, I got to remember that, right? Yeah. Then, then that's where y- you, you can't relax. Right. But right. if you go, if you write down everything you got to do tomorrow, get it out. Then you're like, I don't have to even think about it because I know it's written down. Mm. Now, here's my solution. I think I mentioned this in the book. I don't actually map out my next day every night. I map out my next day with a recurring calendar. <laughs> so I never have, if it's not in my calendar, I have brain damage still from the car accident, the cancer. I don't remember it. I don't even, yep. it has to be my calendar. So for me, mapping out my next day is actually just done throughout the day. I don't actually do it at night. But the idea is that if you don't have that, if you don't have everything in a digital calendar already figured out, you don't have to think about it at night, um, then, then actually getting this stuff out of your head and putting it on paper gives your subconscious permission to just relax. There are studies showing that we way over-represent our ability to remember things. Oh, yeah, totally. So how many times, especially you know, when I was younger before I figured this out about myself, like all humans yeah. do, uh, is, oh, I'll just remember that. Yeah. Like, and it just goes away. Yeah. And you don't even know that it went away yeah. because it went away. Yeah. You don't remember that you forgot. Right. <laughs> it, it's, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so I'm that way too. And maybe I also have brain damage. I did from toxic mold, but apparently yeah. it grew back on my Daniel Amen uh, spec scans. Uh, but it's a fool's errand to hold your calendar in your head for the rest of the time because it's going to change. Totally. And, or to have a to-do list. Because if it's not on the calendar, you're not going to do it. Yeah. If you're at all busy or if you have kids. So for, for me, I'm like, if it's not on the calendar, I don't do it. Yeah. So why don't you need to think about tomorrow? I have an assistant who I work with all the time and she's playing Tetris on my calendar. So I know whatever I have tomorrow <laughs> is the most effective thing I could do. Totally. And yeah, I have an assistant that helps. But even if I don't, anyone here can have a digital calendar and you don't have a to-do list. Yeah. You have a, when am I going to do it? That's it. I don't have a to-do list. I have a to-do list just with a bunch of stuff that I eventually want to get done. But I, yeah, what I do is I schedule blocks of time. So I'm like, okay, what's my to-do list tomorrow? And I schedule, I literally put it in. At 8 a.m., I'm doing this from 8 to 8.30. Mm. 8.30 to 9 this. 9 to 9.15. 9.15 to 9.45, yeah. right? Like, that's how my... my, my uh, you got to map it out. Yeah. And people who do that are more effective. So, but you get it done before bed. Yeah. And boycotting blue light. So we are both so line. That's a massive biohack. People thought I was crazy when I started True Dark. And yeah. uh, we have a study coming out soon in a, in a neuroscience journal showing the specific tint and uh, gradient lens that mm. I created, um, that it changes your brain waves in 15 minutes as if you were doing advanced meditation. Wow. Which is super cool. So it's not just blocking blue, it's blocking four spectrums and angle and intensity. Hmm. Um, so the, the true dark glasses that are there for blocking blue, that was a big part of how I managed to move my circadian window. Nice. And, and it's you, how I blocked You, you wear up. those 15 minutes for bed? Um, an hour is better if you're really oh, okay. trying to shift things. Yeah. But basically, you just don't want to have even five seconds of bright light when you're brushing your teeth. It'll jack you up. Yeah. So you wear those or you get better lighting indoors. Yeah. People come for dinner at my house and like, why are the lights all dim? I'm like, because the sun's starting to go down and we're eating and then they're going to stay dim. Yeah. Yeah. And, like you feel better. Yeah. Okay. So blue light is the thing there. 
enter a blissful state with bedtime affirmations. Mm. How long are these affirmations? Uh, I mean, they're relatively short. It probably takes 60 seconds to read them. And then, like, I give them in the book. I give you my bedtime affirmations, and you can print them out, or you can just read the book, or whatever. But um, the uh, for me, affirmations are, you know, that's the A in savers, right? It, they're the most misunderstood, mistaught, and in my opinion, the most valuable of all forms of personal development. That's like a, it's a bold statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and the reason is, with an affirmation, to me, you get to craft and articulate the perfect language, right? Which evolves. Like my affirmations are always changing as I'm changing and learning and growing and evolving. And I read something and I'm like, oh, that quote belongs in my affirmation around my wife because that reminds me of what I need to do to show up better for her. And so for me, affirmations, the reason there's a problem is we've been taught to either lie to ourselves. You know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're struggling financially, just say, I am wealthy. I am wealthy, Right. Um, or we're taught to use flowery, passive language Ugh. that produces a magical result. I'm a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance, right? So for me, the way I teach affirmations in the book, affirm, number one, what you're committed to, number two, why it's a must for you, and number three, which actions you're going to take and when. That's like my general affirmations formula, but that's only one of infinite formulas. The whole point of an affirmation is simply a reminder of something that you deem so important, you want to revisit it every single day until it becomes a part of your consciousness, a permanent fixture in your consciousness. I, I love that. And when it gets in your consciousness, I think it, it, it percolates through into your cells. Totally. Like your body becomes an antenna totally. for finding that. Um, so you've got those in there. You've got read a book and then sleep like a baby to get quality sleep. There's something missing. Mm. And it seems like it's something that's important for nourishing people, you know, keeping the species alive. Start with an S? It starts with an F, the way I do it. <laughs> Dave, you're going to trigger somebody, for, dude. For Come fertility. on. What were you, th- oh, you were thinking about uh, the other F. Oh, how? Fertility. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, this man. This is a PG 13 oh, show. I know. I know. <laughs> I just know. So, talk to me about miracle mornings, miracle evenings, and getting laid. And getting laid. <laughs> Oh, what is funny? Who, who was it? Oh, no, it's actually, I won't say who, could, but it's somebody on my team. Uh, her mother-in-law um, says, uh, yeah, she read The Miracle Morning before my team member met her son and they got married, right? Mm-hmm. So she's already, wait, you work for The Miracle Morning guy? I love oh, Miracle Morning. I do so Miracle good. Morning. She goes, and she told her the very first time they met and they were talking about it, she goes, my husband and I do The Miracle Morning, but the S in savers, the final S is for sex. That's how we start every morning, <laughs> how we end our Miracle Morning. And, uh, so yeah, so that's, okay. You know, if you so, want to swap out S's, that's fine. So you could do scribing. So maybe you could scribe some sort of like soft core, you know, that you just wrote out, like I mean, a little erotic story. Well, silence. Mm. You could just be silent. Just do it in silence. It usually doesn't work. <laughs> Unless you have little kids next door, then it has to be silent. Uh, but uh, it's a, it's kind of a humorous thing. But it's also like best time. Is it a morning or an evening thing? Because there, there's camps about that. Dude, and- if, if you have, you don't have small kids at home anymore, Dave, it's whenever you can. It's exactly. That's the time. <laughs> whenever you can. Yeah. So so I guess that that even if you're tired, this is advice for people with young kids. And I have um, several friends who have, have really young kids now. It You used to be like, let's wait for date night. It's like, no, you don't wait. Yeah. Because I promise you, kids have radar. Look, we'll wake up at 5 a.m. They're like, oh, they're awake? Let's wake up too. <laughs> yeah, totally. and it doesn't matter. Like, they chase your schedule around. So, yep. Like, you have 20 minutes, you go for it. Yeah. So that, that keeps marriages a lot stronger. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, there's the best time in the miracle morning thing, as long as you get it done. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that. And uh, for listeners, I, I'm i working on, on this, you know, this idea of biohacking. 
is changing the environment around you and inside of you so you have full control of your own biology. Mm. And the, the so you can is open, but so you can show up the way you want to show up in your life, which is totally in alignment with what you're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, and I also believe, you know, I have this F word framework that our bodies follow, you know, fear, food, uh, and then fertility, right? Yeah. And, and then friends, right? Like we kind of prioritize our time automatically in our cells. All animals do that. Yeah. So given these things, we've got to schedule when we get our rest, because if you're exhausted, you're going to actually be in a state of fear and anxiety, yeah. right? How do we nourish ourselves properly? Which, you know, we, we talk about that. But then how do we nourish ourselves in our love life as a form of nourishment and spiritual practice, not as just, you know, getting laid. And it feels like society doesn't talk about that very much, but it's, it's make or break for how you show up in the world as a man or as a woman or um, as a family or as, you know, whatever your arrangement is, um, that if, if that's lacking, it's almost like you have a diet that's not working right. Yeah. Right. And you can choose fasting, you choose celibacy. I, that's fine, but it needs to be conscious. Right. And, and I'm working on helping followers use those energetics, which are more like Qigong or Tantra or more Eastern thinking, uh, even some of the Ayurvedic practices, uh, where you, you bring those into balance and that lets you show up um, just 10 times more than you would have. But this is kind of missing from a lot of practices because it's, you know, titillating or embarrassing or whatever. And that's why if you go to the biohacking conference, but you know, it's in Dallas this year, you should come. Mm. Um, end of May like May 30th or 31st through June 1st. I should like talk on morning routines or something. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, let's, uh, if, if you're up for that, let me, let me, uh, oh, God, Rebecca's going to kill me. I, I know our main stage is full, but let me see what I can do. Yeah. Um, That's but right. I'd love to have you there, but it's just come, you know, be my guest. If, yeah. if you're interested, bring them, bring the family. Yeah. yeah. All right. Might you, know, you have to leave the chickens for a day. You'll have to figure <laughs> that one out. It's, it's three days, but, um, anyway, um, you know, last year I, I brought in, in fact, every year I brought in at least one or two speakers about intimacy. Ah. So I always look in a spiritual practice or a daily routine, like how do we bring intimacy in as another way of amplifying our energy throughout the day? And I, I like, you're like, anytime if you've got young kids, yeah. if you don't have kids, morning or evening is better or you just don't have data on that? I don't have data on that. Yeah, okay. I'd, be, I'd be speaking out of, my, out of my lane. So miracle morning bedroom edition, just a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Miracle Morning for Lovers. Right. There you go. Miracle Morning for Well, there's the Miracle Morning for Couples is a book. But Miracle I, Morning for Lovers. Yeah, and, and your acronym is F U. No, no, right. <laughs> It'll uh um I actually highly recommend that. Um if if that's in your scope of practice and knowledge. Um, because my experience has been that that working um those energies into your affirmation practice, into mm. your um um, meditation practice and just into your connection with the world, it really does deepen and enhance your ability to make stuff happen in the world. And, and this is kind of like you're saying, you, know, you have a partner, um, your wife, who does things that you don't do, like you, you kind of um, mash and fulfill each other in that way. Yeah. Um, people do that, whether they're in you know dedicated partnership or not. And I just feel like we haven't done enough work as a society on figuring out that part of human biology, psychology, and spirituality. So yeah. I'm Great. down for hacking that. All right. All right. I feel like we've gone pretty uh, pretty deep on the new Miracle Morning. Is there anything else that's new in the new edition of Miracle Morning that you really think is top of mind? Yeah. I mean, I, well, just I'll quickly, uh, people, you know, why did you write the new book? Um, and it was, well, it's 11 years since the book came out, 15 years since I started the practice. Um, I would hope that by doing the Miracle Morning six plus days a week, every week that I've evolved a ton 
in, in what I do and how I do it. And so um, in the new book, it was like, it was making sure that it didn't lose the essence of the original. Um, and, but also that it answered all the questions I've gotten over the last 11 years and what people have asked for and requested. And so, um, for example, uh, meditation, I've, I've developed what I, you know, I don't know if I made it up, but I, I don't know where I would have learned it, but I call it emotional optimization meditation. Okay. And so as opposed to, uh, just clearing your mind and following your breath, uh, and sitting in silence, it's actually a very proactive meditation where you start today and ask, what would be the optimal mental and emotional state for me to be in that would best serve me today? And it might be confidence if you've got some big presentation coming up. Mm. It might be playfulness if you're hanging out with your kids on Saturday morning. It might be love if you got in a fight with your spouse the night before and you need empathy in the morning, right? right? Whatever it is, though, I teach you in the book, how do you identify your optimal state? How do you then trigger that state, get into the state? Then you set your timer for five or 10 minutes and you meditate in that state and you're hardwiring it in your nervous system so that it becomes a permanent fixture in how you feel. And so for me, bliss is my general default every day. I want to be just totally at peace, totally happy for no reason, as Marcy Shimoff would say, um, right? And so that's my default state. And by reinforcing that every single day for just five minutes in the morning, and then some days it's a specific state, um, but that's been a game changer for me, you know? And so that's an example of how every one of the savers, I was like, okay, here's the, the basic if you're brand new to meditation, um, but here's how you can take it to the next level when you're ready to. I, I really appreciate that uh, because you, you've got to be able to, to talk about in, in the book and, and just feel free to talk about this really tiny nuanced thing yeah. that you do. And I don't really know like, like a ABC structure for it. Yeah. But when you read the book, you, you kind of get a sense of it. it. It's almost like like one of the things you can only see out of the corner of your eye. Yeah. Right. And and when you hone in on a practice like that, it becomes easier and easier to see. And like, oh, I'm doing it right today. Yeah. And it works well. And I didn't do it right the other day. So it, it is a, a miracle morning practice, uh, which is um, which is solid. Awesome. How thanks for making the, the long half hour drive to the, <laughs> to the studios here. And it's it's always a great pleasure to see you. I can't wait to hang out uh, socially. We'll go to dinner or something. Maybe we'll, we'll see you at the well again. The well, baby. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And by the way, guys, The Well is a restaurant here in Austin uh, where we just ran into each other that has no bad oils mm. and all grass-fed and no gluten. So, Pasture-raised chicken, yeah. mostly organic veggies. It is the best restaurant in Austin, yep. in my opinion. I go there a lot. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Hi, right, brother. Appreciate you. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. 
This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.